0: We truly cannot keep up with the opportunities Honda provides for purchasing the perfect used or new small car, family car, or maybe even first-time buyer car. Just like the variety of options in vehicles, Rorik Honda is proud of its Rorik Advantage.
1: Where else do you receive a full checkup on your vehicle when it's time to get your oil changed? So many perks are part of the Rorik Advantage just by a car purchase. As always, visit Rorick.com for all of your vehicle needs. Now we start the Jagoff podcast, all about living, reliving 1960, October 13th.
2: According to the Oxford Dictionary, the word Jagoff is defined as a noun, which means a stupid, irritating, or... Here's how
3: Pittsburghers define a word jag Jagoff. When someone cuts you off on a parkway. Jagoff! Or someone scares the f*** out of you.
0: Yeah, Jagoff!
3: Or it's a term of
0: endearment. How you been, Jagoff?
4: This is Mark Madden. Hi, this is Larry Richard. This is Gemwell Bill. Hey, this is Kurt Angle. Hi, this is Rocky Blair. Hey, it's Rick Sevak. Hi, this is Greg Brown. Hi, I'm Tyler Kennedy. This is Antonio Holmes.
2: And this no is the Jagoff Podcast.
1: The so this is the Jagoff Podcast. And uh, if you're listening for the very first time, this is where we do a couple of things. We ask you to subscribe either through the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're on iTunes...
0: Please go ahead and make a comment, say
1: something nice,
0: or give us suggestions on other amazing Pittsburgh people who we can talk to for stories. That'd be good. We love it. That would be really good. And this is where we talk about what was on the blog. Uh this is where you actually have this thing with there's this poop bag that's just like kind of laying in the street. Is it where we walk? No, it's on the
1: Montour Trail, I think. Oh. And my friend Gary posted oh, that's it on where. his I skimmed it off of, you know, it's creeping. You creeped. And it yeah. was on Instagram and there's this bag of dog poop. So someone Took the time to sc- scoop up the poop, but then left the bag there. Yeah, like I mean I that's said. just stupid. No. Yeah,
0: finish up. Chicago. And then I had to take the initiative and tell you we have to do something because Le'Veon Bell was in the news again. So we did a little something with Bubba Bell and the Jets because he's <laughs> out of there now too. So exactly. Pittsburgh didn't want him. Now the Jets don't want him. And then on our way to, we were driving I think in Cranberry, and you saw. Three cars coming not one, not not one, two, not two,
1: but three yeah. white pickup trucks with Ohio license plates driving slow in the fast lane. Yep. So our theory was that the lead—they were training Ohio drivers to be jagoffs. That's basically. it. It's yep. Ohio driver training.
0: Yeah, we figured yeah. that out. So. Like
1: let's go slow over here and really <laughs> jerk them around.
0: All right, who's not a jagoff? I will tell you the people we are talking to today on this podcast. I mean. I'm not always a sports, you know, enthusiast, let's say, but for this particular podcast, I cannot wait to talk to these people.
1: Right. And how could you not be a a sports enthusiast, at least about this particular moment in Pittsburgh baseball history, sports history?
0: Everyone has a story about it. It's sort of like where were you when? Mm -hmm. And when you refer to the one and only Maz, you know, who better to speak with than people who really were around for that? That yeah. time.
1: So we have Steve Blass coming. We have uh Johnny Angel, Jack Hunt
0: coming. <laughs> yeah. I'll let you do it at <laughs> right. one point.
1: And of course our one of our faves, Greg Brown. Your faves. And all Say of them it. are going to reflect on on as we sit around the Masorowski statue down by PNC, PNC Park. Park. Yeah. We're going to just sit there and uh, and reminisce.
0: And rumor has it that the gang is is it the Game Seven gang? Game seven gang. They're going to show up at some point because I think there's a tour of some sort happening. So our hope is to talk to one of those folks as we well. We know that
1: they always meet at the wall and yeah. they're not allowed and to. And they meet at the basically,
0: wall. in case you don't know, they reenact that game, everything that happened with Maz's walk-off home run hitter from 1960.
1: Yeah. So get back in the, in the non-COVID, uh, situation next year for, uh, anniversary number 61. You know, there's so many people that say they were at the game and this is not always true, especially if you're younger than 60 years old. So you're
0: lying. But a little somebody, somebody who's 90 years young was there and we get to talk to Irv Katowski. About yeah. his experience, a, a local
1: entrepreneur who literally was there and lived through it. So we're going to talk to him. And in between each of the guests, we normally have music. But thanks to Jack Hunt and the Ginchy Stuff Museum and Store down on the north side, we have some replay uh, audio of the game that we're going to play in between each segment.
5: tied yeah. it up at 9-9. Nine, nine. They had scored two runs, KOing Bob Friend, the hard luck pitcher of the series, in a hurry. And Harvey Haddock's had trouble putting out the fire. And then... The last of the night. And again, Chuck Thompson. The last half of the ninth inning. Changes made by the Yankees. McDougal goes to third base. Cletus Boyer moves over to play shortstop. And Ralph Carey, of course, on the mound, will be facing Mazeroski. Nothing Not to go
0: says over that, uh, 60 years like us sitting in again, front of the Maz be... statue with some great people. John, this is your fanboy episode, so I'm going to let you. I won't be my usual jabber-jaw self. But anyone who's watching, this is going to be so exciting for all of us because we get to reminisce with some of the greats, and it's a reason that we were able to finally get Steve Blass on our podcast.
1: Right, and so it's all these – it's not even six degrees of anything. It's three degrees. It's Pittsburgh degrees of everything because, first of all, this is the day we're supposed to be celebrating Maz's big home run against the Yankees. We're supposed to be in Oakland, but we're not allowed to do that. So we're kind of like, you know – why not come here, right? And we brought some friends, so we won't even... So Jack, Johnny Angel, who we know, who you obviously know, he ran the restaurant at PNC Park, who got to know Steve from and Greg. And then, of course, Steve and Jack and Rachel are friends. Greg, I just fanboy, I sit outside of his house every Friday night waiting for him to come out. And then he. then Rachel tried to steal him as a friend away from me, so... Anyway, so we are here to reminisce about MAZ, celebrate, however we can do it, the 60th anniversary of MAZ's big home run where we beat the Yankees.
0: I love the fact that we are still so rich in history here in Pittsburgh that we can actually have you guys talk about what it was like. I mean, literally, that's where we need to start it. Steve, set us up. What was it like then? And and how did it feel? How was it different? Why is it that different? That particular day, that's celebrated every year, same day, such a traditional thing.
3: Well, because it's it's so iconic. No, nobody's ever no, done it. Right. Uh, and uh, you know, it's, first of all, it's great to be sheltering here.
0: Yes. If we're
3: going <laughs> to shelter, shelter in front of the Mass statue. But uh, it's it's so great that we have that uh, in our city that that uh, the legacy never never ever goes away. You know, you got the Clemente legacy, but you got the Maz legacy that lit the town up. And uh, historical in all baseball. And uh, I remember being an 18 year old when he hit the home run because it was 1960. I just graduated from high school. So I went and played ball for two months. I, I said, okay, it's nice to be. Oh, the Pittsburgh Pir- Oh, Maz hits a home run. I was pretty clever in selecting the Pittsburgh Pirates to sign with. <laughs> and I won $9 in a pool where I was helping, uh, I was a carpenter's helper in, in October. But uh, just really, just yeah, honest to God, it's, it's one of the few tr- true stories I tell. I, well, <laughs> right, I, that's why I said <laughs> I'm, I'm working really? for a carpenter after I, I'm living my dream, just signed to play pro ball, and the Pirates, my team that I signed with, just wins the World Series. <laughs> it's, it's
0: unbelievable. But Steve, go back even a little bit further to peel a layer, as I always say. What was it like even having that signing opportunity then? It's so different now. Professional sports is just a completely different game. What was that feel like? Because it was so much more authentic back then. Is that
3: Signing a contract? Yes. Oh, my God. Well, I had only been dreaming about it since I was eight years old. Sure. But the world was different. Right. First of all, there was no draft. Right, right. So the scouts would take their chairs like this and sit in back uh, of the backstops all over America. Wow. Scouting high school kids. It was like Nor- Norman Rockwell stuff every day. And uh, I was fortunate because we had a little high school in Connecticut where you scheduled 30 games and you played 15 because of the weather. We would shovel off the parking lot and hit ground balls because the snow was there. But before I signed, we had two other, four other guys sign pro contracts, including my wife's two brothers and myself. Wow. Three of us made it to the big leagues.
0: Really? I never knew that. Yeah.
3: Karen, My wife Karen's husband, no, Steve. Steve. Yeah, yeah. Steve. <laughs> and, and her cousin so Tom. Sharp. I went to he, help him. He's I went so to sharp. Help him. He hasn't <laughs> lost <laughs> a step. And, and her cousin, Tom Parsons, and her brother, John Lamb, all of us wound up pitching for the Pittsburgh Pirates because the scouts knew uh, that we had a good baseball program there. And, and so uh, uh, I, I came to Pittsburgh to try out after I graduated and uh, I'll never forget it because the Pirates are playing a doubleheader against the Cubs. This is 1960, the championship year. And the Cubs swept the doubleheader. I still, to this day, believe it cost me $2.98 worth of bonus money. If they'd have won the doubleheader, <laughs> they'd have been a much better frame of mind, I would have got that two ninety-eight <laughs> in, instead of what I got. Uh-huh. But uh, just, it, it, was, it, was a, it was a different world. It was a slower time. It wasn't as crazy. There wasn't uh, all the all the technical stuff, Uh, so I'm not saying it's a better world, just a different world. But uh, it it was great for me. You know, everybody has dreams. Not everybody gets a chance to live them. So I will always be loyal to the Pirates because they gave me the dream. The Mets didn't give me the dream. The Dodgers, the Yankees, the Pittsburgh Pirates did. And we came to Pittsburgh and I signed. I signed a contract to play professional baseball.
1: And, and by the way, one of the gaps, we usually have music. And when you're listening to the podcast when it goes up on Monday, uh, we have some recordings of you, Steve, and your World Series win. But uh, let's go over to Greg here for a second, Greg. So when where are you when Maz hits the home run? How old are
4: you? I was in my mother's uh, – <laughs> uh, yeah, I was not born yet. Okay, okay, born. yeah. Uh, liar. liar. Yeah. Uh, this guy's 78 years old. Yeah. <laughs> he still has he great hair. Every- uh, actually, a little bit older lot, than he. I I I've been calling him my dad for so long, <laughs> yeah, but lot, actually I'm a, a little bit older than Steve. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of work done. Yeah. A lot of work done. Uh, but, you know, you, you asked the question, Rachel, about why this is so meaningful and why for all these years, uh, this is 60-year anniversary today, of course, and for almost every year since, they've been gathering at the Forbes Field Wall in Oakland, replaying the radio broadcast at the exact same time and I was there for the first time last year actually I'm one of seven kids one of my older brothers was born on this day uh it, this is his birthday he's six, uh, 66 so he was six years old on this day and we just happened to be walking around in Oakland last year at this time and I said you know October 13th it's his birthday I said I think they're doing this thing at the Forbes Field Wall so we walked over there there had to be 250 people there amazing and uh it was so cool for him because he remembered as a kid growing up in Washington, D.C., uh, his, my parents were Pirate fans. Anyway, uh, it, the point being that this represents, I think, what baseball represents, and that is that you don't have to be six foot six, yes. you don't have to weigh 250, you don't have to, 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 to be the fastest guy in your class or on your team. Uh, but a guy like Bill Mazeroski, who grew up too, not too far away from here, can be one of the most iconic players in the history of sports, let alone baseball. And he lived his dream. Steve lived his dream. Johnny has an unbelievable story. You guys have a story. So baseball kind of represents, in, in a lot of ways, I think it's a reflection of life, that, that you, good, can, you can yeah. live your dream, as Maz did. And that's why we all gather here, and we can relate to this because when Mazeroski hit the home run I wasn't born yet but I've watched heck I watched it this morning again some of the the video and I think you know I felt like I was there like he represented all of us that's the the coolest thing to me about about th- this. And Greg,
1: back. when last year was the first year we, we bumped into each other out there. That was the first year I'd ever been to the wall, right? Yeah. And it's crazy the the how the gentleman There's actually a core group of guys who get together. They play the actual recording. There's a history, and uh, when you look at that, you see that baseball still is very popular in Pittsburgh, right? there, it's it's fanatical. Well, it's right? funny
4: too because John. It, 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 being there for the first time last year at the celebration, it was really cool to see. And the reaction that people had, as if it was just happening. Exactly the right. Home, people yeah. go crazy. And people were driving by in Oakland nearby, they started honking their horns.
0: Like, it was I, well, wild. And, Greg, for anyone who doesn't know, because it's crazy to me that you weren't aware, what what exactly happens? So just go through what it looks like typically in Oakland on this oh, day. It's
4: like, it's like a tailgate party uh, over by the, the remnants of the wall, the wall that remains. And, by the way, some of the wall is here. Uh, that's the act, part of the actual wall uh, here at the the, the mass statue. But, but what remains in Oakland at Shenley Park, they gather. And they have the speakers out, and they just play the radio broadcast, not television, so it's a throwback. And uh, you, you bring your own food or, or beverages or whatnot, and just you, you reminisce throughout the. Uh, you bounce around, you talk to different people about it, uh, you, you you reminisce. I talked to people who were there that day, uh, and and talk about their favorite moments of the game, and uh, just it's just so such a it's a classic game. It's a classic moment, as Steve said to Johnny and to you guys before we started recording how smith who hit the home run that put the pirates ahead in the bottom of the 8th inning his only at bat of the game because he had come in for smoky burgess the starting catcher who was pinch run for earlier he hits this 3 run homer gives the pirates the lead he thinks he's going to be the hero and then the yankees tied up in the top of the ninth inning so Maz gets the chance yeah.
3: and it was one of the craziest not well played ball game you know 10 to 9 there's not a whole lot of pitching going on.
4: <laughs> not one strikeout. But the most incredible trivia question of all time: the entire game, neither team struck out, not once. I
3: don't <laughs> think it's surprising because there's 19 runs. <laughs> Nobody's going to strike out in that kind. Compare that. Well, it's it's pretty much like a, a current game in in the playoffs now. Yeah. No pitcher goes more than 20 minutes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now let's no go to what. Jack. Jack,
1: let's go back to what how you remember the home run and then reflect on how you've known these guys
6: for so many years. The, the home run to me, of course, so we were all baseball fans and I still have my scrapbook at home with just about every pirate from like 57 up. I'm still friends with Frank Thomas. Frank comes out to a lot of our shows. He of course is one of the great heroes of all time. I th- think he set the record for the consecutive home runs when he was with the Braves. Right. But I remember that, talking to people who have been at the game game 7 if everybody had told me they were at the game there would have been 3.7 million people in Forbes field no, right? no. <laughs> but it, it's funny cuz we all we were glued to the radio i mean that was it and and some of us had some scorecards ahead of time and i did that i kept the score and i still have that scorecard in my store and when Maz hit the home run, it was just unbelievable. Everybody that I knew went downtown. So,
0: wait, a scorecard is in, like, as a kid, you're kind of sitting by the radio and you're, you're taking stats.
6: It's, yep. Okay. Anybody who came in, you would, you'd scratch their name. You'd write it in pencil who, who came I in for, that. like, Al Smith coming in to pinch hit. Yeah. For Smoky Burgess, that kind of thing. But in there I have you're right, no strikeouts. I mean you have ground ball air, blah 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 blah, blah. and then the home runs. But the when, at the last one, whenever Maz hit his home run, it's HR and the pencil goes off the page. It's like
1: yeah. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. yeah.
6: And um but the, the the real kicker to it was Bill mazaroski I was a catcher, so I love smoky burgess. And um when Maz hit his home run, I, I always envied infielders, but I was too big of a, a little leaguer to play infield, so I caught. They put the fat kid behind the plate so the balls didn't roll the – right? <laughs> so uh, it was funny because the following year when we were in little league, they had this thing out at Northway Mall. It was brand new at the time. And they had Bill Mazeroski, um, Smokey Burgess, and I think – I'm not positive, but I think it was Dick Stewart, but uh, I know it was – And they gave everyone a keychain when they came in. And they would pull a keychain for a winner. And whoever won Smokey Burgess would get a catcher's mitt. Whoever won Bill Mazeroski would get his. I won the Bill Mazeroski glove, right? And uh, they hand it to me. Maz comes down. He shows me how to get down for a ground ball, which... I would have been better if he said, get in a crotch position because you're a catcher. But uh, now showed me how to do that. And the, I had the glove. It's signed by Bill Mazeroski. So now we go forward about 20 years, and I'm in a group called Harambi and I'm married and I'm gone. And um, I go home one day to get all my memorabilia, and I've noticed that some of my stuff in the box in the attic was gone. So I said to my mother, where's my Bill Mazeroski glove? And she said, Oh, your dad felt, felt sorry for Martin's kid. He didn't have a glove. He gave it to him to use for a little league.
0: Oh, no. there you have it. And that is not in Ginchy stuff, thanks it's to you. It's not in. I mother. wish it was. <laughs> you
3: know, I've, I've got a little story about Harambe. Okay. Because when I was pitching early early on uh, in the, in the uh, 60s, late 60s, early 70s, I was a rock and roll fan, and I found out that there was this group called Harambe. So every night when I would win a game, after the game, I would go out looking for Harambe, <laughs> Millvale, North Versailles, because they would do a cover of uh, the Rolling Stones' "Give Me Shelter," and that was my favorite song. So, now we—I got, I got to know Jack. Yeah. So now my son, uh, Dusty, is 10 years old. Dusty wants to play the drums. I called Jack. My son David, Dusty, got drum lessons from Jack. <laughs> back
0: in the day microphone back, drop way how about back that in the day. yeah so there, that is awesome Six <laughs>
4: stuff
0: is I always revealed when you're dead how i don't remember about
3: how it was when i got to Harambee after those games <laughs> <laughs> nor how i got home or near where I might be the next morning. But anyway, uh, I love Harambe.
1: Stuff is always revealed when Jack's on the podcast because we found out how Moni Moni was named when yeah. Jack was on the podcast. So yeah, that's awesome. So let's let's kind of going forward here, you know, what, what Maz and how he lives the legacy. He's just just a, an average guy in well,
3: he's the perfect Pittsburgh guy, the perfect personality for having a moment like how unlike him is a spectacular moment quiet, unassuming, but kind of an interesting guy when you, like you say, peel off the layers. Bill Mazeroski can give you, he gave me life lessons. When I got there as a rookie, he said, all right, you're in the big leagues now, kid. No excuses. People don't care why you didn't. They want to know why you did. So don't, <laughs> don't make any excuses. Great. And don't ever forget, the name on the front of the uniform is more important than the name on the back. I mean, just Amen. subtle stuff like that. I went to my first spring training after they won. I was still 18, so now I'm in a World Championship clubhouse the next spring. Terrified, I'm 18, and all we did, us minor leaguers, were the invitees in the back room at uh, in Fort Myers. All we did was look around the corner. Oh, there's Clemente. Oh, there's. Uh, oh, there's Bill Mazeroski. There's. He hit. Look at guy. Here's. Here he is. Here he is to get to know him i wound up rooming with him and and getting to know him and, and quiet but uh, it, so that adds to the whole thing because i mean he's he's the perfect guy he's he's low-key he's nice to people uh he's got time for people um uh, it's just it's just one of those matchups that came from a, spe- a spectacular moment from a real decent person
4: you know it's uh this is a I'll try and and abbreviate this story, but it's so meaningful uh, and personal, and everyone seems to have this personal connection to Bill Mazeroski. It's amazing. So my family was from the Connellsville, my father, and extended family from the Connellsville Uniontown area. My uncle and his family moved to California in the early 50s. And in about 2005, my cousin Tom Brown who now lives in Houston, Texas, was on Facebook and was connecting with some sports fans, and somebody said, are you the Brown family that lived in Uniontown back in the 50s? Yes. My family bought your home, and we have had a box that we saw in the attic for 30 years.
3: That belongs to Jack, huh? <laughs> Oh, yeah, blog? yeah. <laughs> my So here? I wonder, can I? Can you connect me to Jack? So, which is wild. Who would have thought that's it? That's why
4: we're here, folks. So, <laughs> yeah. so, he said, I found this box, and it, it, most of it's nothing. But there is a scrapbook filled with Bill Mazeroski stuff. Well, his sister, my cousin Susan, grew up a fanatical Mazeroski fan. <laughs> fanatical. In 2005, she was dying of cancer. Incredibly enough. He says, could you send me this scrapbook? He flies out to California where Susan was in her last months, and he walks into a room. She, she was so weak she couldn't go up the steps. She was basically living in her living room on the sofa. He walks in. He had wrapped up the scrapbook. She hadn't seen it in 50 years. He says, I brought you something. She unwraps it. It's the Mazeroski scrapbook. And they go through it page by page. They spend the entire day. She said it was one of the greatest days of her life. She passed away a short time later. Now, fast forward, five years later, I'm hosting, emceeing the Black Tie Affair on the field here at PNC Park. 50-year anniversary gala. Pirates tell me you can invite one person. My wife doesn't know if a baseball is stitched or stuffed (laughs) or what, you know, so not a baseball fan. But I call my cousin Tom Brown in Houston. I said, if you can get here and you get a tux on, you'll be my guest. He says, Heck yeah. He flies in, gets rents a car, he stays at the Spring Hill Suites, right across the street. I said, Meet me at four o'clock at the press gate. He goes up, gets dressed, gets on the elevator, he's on the sixth floor, the elevator stops. Opens up on the third floor. Guess who walks into that no elevator? Way. Bill Mazeroski. Oh. True story. Oh. And he tells a story, oh. and Maz started crying, telling the story. I mean, that, to me, encompasses what we're talking about here. Some, somehow he has touched in a meaningful way. and maybe not that meaningful for so many, but we all have these personal connections, it seems, no matter how old we are, to Bill Mazeroski.
3: He's the common man. When he made his speech when they unveiled this, the primary theme of his speech, which, if you know, Maz, doesn't last very long, it says, "All I ever wanted to do is play ball. I didn't want, I didn't need this." Shortest speech, sh-
4: shortest speech on record in Cooperstown, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, I,
3: I've got the, I've got the, the whole speech. I've got the other half, and it's all. <laughs> uh, and
4: that's
3: what he said. Wow. I, this is great, but I, I didn't have to have this. All I ever wanted to do is play baseball, and I, I got my wish. He's so, a common man, yeah,
2: He's yeah,
1: man. Yeah, yeah, and so did he? Did he understand his role of mentoring somebody like you and your, I, I Did think he? He, had he, had he an just idea. that was just his personality.
3: I, without a lot of words, he had, he had an awareness that yeah. he could he could help young players, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and it and it was very simplistic, which I loved. It wasn't technical. It wasn't you know dialogue after dialogue. You know, tells Neil Walker, you've got to you, you've got to start down because you can react up. Rather than start with your glove here, it's a conscious thing to to go down. But you can – I mean, just simplicity of the fundamentals of baseball that apply from when you're eight years old to when you're 30.
0: But, Steve, do you find yourself even still, I mean, any of you really, being avid baseball fans, if nothing else, right, and obviously having played the game, do you find yourself still watching games and going, ah, yes. like, you know, you need yes. to do this. And you it's know? a test
3: this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. No, and, can. I mean, I asked my dad that even with the, um, you know, any of the music shows. You, you know, when you're watching American Idol, or you, like, stop singing. You, you, you know, don't, that you kind don't of...
3: grow out of that stuff. Yeah. Whether it's music or sports, you don't grow out of that. Yeah. No matter – how you, and moan about
2: yeah.
3: all the stuff? Oh, 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 this is not my game. It's still our game. It yes. Is. And, and that—what a test that is. Yes. That tells you how good the game is. That That's really, true. Because there's changes some people don't like and like, but there's always changes. Yes. But the game has had so much thrown at it. Yes. And it survives and it it, it flourishes, and that t- tells you how good the the darn game is.
0: Yes. That's a good point, Greg. How about you? I mean, your passion for the game, and also, you know, we joke about John Fanboying, but you're such a good dude to talk to as far as how the game is played. You know, you have taken – you listen to the criticism, and you're still one of the biggest champions of the sport and of the game.
4: uh, thanks for saying that, Rachel. But, again, I point to to you and John and Johnny and Steve and and all of us and those watching on Facebook Live, those that will listen to the podcast, I I think – baseball kind of exemplifies life in a lot of ways again because it doesn't matter how big or small you are or where you came from you can succeed in this game and it it, you know for me baseball's about life in that uh it's an old cliche but 70 percent of the time even the hall of famers fail at this game and it's a game about failure it's a game about the impossible happening that's why people say i went to the game you know and uh, uh yeah the pirates lost but Something happened I'd never exactly. seen before. Yep. Incredible stuff. Comebacks. There's no time. There's no clock. And uh, as much as we whine and moan about the length of games, you know, some tech, when I was a kid, games didn't go long enough for me. I hated it when they went fast. Sure. I, wanted, I wanted to be in that ballpark for as long as I could. Mm-hmm. That was my my sanctuary. So, I, I, yeah, I, I love the game. And, and I said forever, Rachel, when, when we were working at Three River Stadium in that that bad baseball stadium, that sure. we needed a ballpark in Pittsburgh. Right. But in addition to a ballpark, we needed a winning team. And we saw what could happen in that three-year run, 13, 14, and 15. You couldn't buy a ticket here. That, yeah. This is as good a baseball town. I've been to every city, and I've done football. I, I've announced for the Buffalo Bills. I tell you, th- this is as good a sports town, but it's a winner's town. you got to win um, if you want to <laughs> attract a big audience. That's a
3: good point. You know, and, and Just as a follow-up, I did a little work for for a company when I got through playing, and they said they like to hire ex-professional athletes because they know how to get up and go to work after they get beat. In other mm-hmm. words, they're not dis- they're not destroyed by a loss. They they understand that you can't win, you can't succeed every day, and they keep coming to work. They keep coming to work, and that was kind of an interesting thing that yeah. uh, that that. Uh, that Got my attention. And,
1: yes. and have, have any of you three interacted with anybody who really was at the game? Have you – have you and sort of heard I – mean, Johnny, just, you Just, the, I, players. Yeah. Yeah. just yeah. the players. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah so oh, I mean, women, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stupid question, John. Yeah. Uh, no, I meant from but, a but, fan standpoint. But, but, Somebody, but Johnny's
4: – I know he's kidding, but yeah. in all seriousness, I've talked to – Maybe a 1,000 people who said they were there. I don't know yeah. that I believe each and every one.
6: They're believable when they tell the story.
3: I, I ran into 25 people who said they were the guy that ran around from 2nd
6: <laughs> I did run into one that it's a legit. Oh, really? And okay. it was Mas. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, no, another one.
4: But in terms of fans, yeah, I mean, you, you talked to so many who said they were there that day. Yeah. But, you know, it's just great. It's it's kind of legendary that, that yeah. this this occurred.
3: And how? who else but Mas? Would have taken Mylene after the last uh, and and go up and sit in Shanley Park and just and just kind of uh, yeah. relax and, yeah. and, and debrief. Yeah. Who else? Yeah. Everybody else would have been getting crushed. <laughs> get, where can I get more champagne? Where you yeah. Know. Yeah. And uh, it's just it, 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 his his story is so consistent. It's unbelievable. Yeah.
1: So I I just like I know we have to let you guys go at some point, but I'd like to reflect back on. Um, a little bit about what baseball players were like back then. We had heard this story, and I know we can't verify that somewhere along, Maz maybe worked at Iron City Brewing running a forklift or something like that. But, Steve, you have this story where you you guys had yeah. other jobs well, when you yeah, came out.
3: It was before free agency, so uh, <laughs> the, the money certainly wasn't like it is today. Nothing is. But we all got jobs. We all had jobs. We got jobs in the offseason because – you know, my rookie year, my salary as a major league baseball player, one of the so-called best in, in, in the world, was seven grand. I had to get a job. Uh, I won eighteen games one year, and I went from fifteen to thirty. <laughs> wow. Think about that today, if you if you win eighteen games in the major leagues. But yeah, so we it, that was that was part of the deal.
1: Uh, and you mentioned somebody was a carpenter on the outside. Yeah,
3: Elroy was a great carpenter, very accomplished carpenter. Out at uh, Mayview, he did finish work, and uh, yeah, we all. You know, some guys sold cars. I know, I know Bob Moose and, and Gary Kolb and Bruce Case. Bruce Case uh, worked uh, worked at a bank. Uh, married a girl from Pittsburgh. From he's from Washington State. Uh, yeah, uh, and it was, and you know, players didn't move around, so, uh, it it was it was different. You were with the same guy. You got to know families. You had picnics sometimes on an off day or the All Star break. Uh, and not that it's bad. I would kind of love to have been around in free agency, but back in those kind of climates and scenarios, you got to know families and you didn't move, you, you stayed with one team longer. Yeah. When I was growing up uh, near New York City in Connecticut, I thought the same 25 Yankees played for 40 years. <laughs> right, uh, sir. Sure. Uh, so it, it was, that was a different climate for baseball.
0: Yeah.
6: It, it, one thing I, I have to say about the, the baseball back then. Uh, back in the, the 60s and 70s, um, as a little ligger, we used to have this thing called the Knothole Games sure. here in Pittsburgh. And they would take busfuls of us out to Forbes Field, and we sat in right field right behind Roberto. come Roberta. up through the
3: Iron Gate? Come up through the Iron Gate, right
6: yep. Yep. <laughs> and, and it was amazing because we were allowed to go on the field about an hour before everything happened, when we were just starting batting practice and everything. And I had my Brownie camera. Where I still have pictures of – uh, Roberto Clemente signing my scrapbook, and um, Dick Stewart and Ted Klazowski and all these guys right and um, what was great about it was not only did they sign, but they stood there and they talked to the kids they, they, It was like they were truly symbols of heroes that you know, growing up, and that extended into the '70s when I first met Steve, I was like. Are you kidding me? That's Steve Blass. You know, and we became friends. They're real people. And that's the thing that always got me about same thing with the music business. You know, I've met so many of them that were not as how do I want to put it? Not as personable. But then I met those like Melvin Franklin from The Temptations. He would sit there and talk with us as if we were just buddies that were sitting in a park feeding the squirrels. You know what I mean? It was that's what I miss the most about.
3: If you don't lose track that you're just another guy that has some kind of gift. Uh, If you don't lose track of that, you're going to be all right. But you you mentioned Forbes Field. When I came out here as an 18-year-old to try out with my high school coach and my dad, that doubleheader, back in the day, you could bring your beer into Forbes Field. (laughs) So that doubleheader, we were sitting up in the stands. By the fifth inning of the second game, the beer was coming down the steps (laughs) in the aisles in between the seating. (laughs) It was a little different, guys. Coolers, one yeah, on each right. side of the cooler. Yep. You can bring your own beer in. Yep. Wow! How about that program? Sandwiches? How about that? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> I, I, oh I, I, I will say I think that 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 Johnny's point is is well taken. Although I don't necessarily believe it's because the players are different. It's back to Steve's point: the times are different. Yes. It's yes. just not as easy to be as accessible. Yeah. But I can tell you from firsthand knowledge, <clears throat> even present day, when I get an opportunity to get a fan one-on-one with a player, it's phenomenal. I've done it nice. a handful of times in the past when we were actually able to go into that clubhouse. And uh, there was a, a young lady last summer, I recall, a, a buddy of mine said that yeah, she is just this biggest Joe Musgrove fan. Would you mind? <laughs> so I went into Joe, uh, into the clubhouse. The players were out taking batting practice. I said, Joe, there's a young lady out there. She's probably 16 years old. She's just a big Musgrove fan. Where is she? I said, she stand outside right off the side of the clubhouse hold on a minute do you want me to put on my uniform i said Wh- whatever P- puts a puts a his uniform on his cap he we start walking out he goes now what's her name again what does she do and he yes. walks out and when she when he walked out it, it's a throwback to, yes. to the 60s and 70s yep. or when you grew up as a kid the reaction the way she lit up and he goes over and he starts talking to her and her father asking how they're doing can we take pictures it it I mean, she'll, she'll be a Musgrove fan for the rest of her That's life. That's amazing, yeah. So, so those really, those moments haven't changed. They're fewer sure. and far between because of security issues. And, right. and again, we're just, we're distanced. It used to be, when I grew up, I, I was a Pirate fan over at Three River Stadium. And I'd run around outside the ballpark because the players would park on that outer circle. Yep. And as they were going to their cars, I'd chase them down. Here, <laughs> we're right stationed in our garage, our oh, Pirate right. garage. Even I do. You know, we... we Open up, it's like uh, the, the bat cave. You, you, you go in, you go out,
3: and it's just not as
4: accessible. But as I said, uh, t- to the players' credit, they really are just as human as they were, you know, again, 50, it. 60 years ago.
3: But, you know, we're also in a world that that's, that story and those kind of stories don't sell the newspapers. No, they don't. Right. going to say the yeah. that, that's the, the spectacular Good fireworks point. kind of stuff. And if you are a professional athlete or have been a professional athlete in this city and you reach out this far, The people in this city, it's incredible, will reach out five miles. All it takes is a little kindness and a moment, a moment of time. You take time to let a fan know that you're human instead of, hey, got to go. I'll tell you
4: what, to that that point and to to, to to where you guys are in terms of social media, Jameson Tyone and Stephen Brawn and Joe Musgrove in a short time have done that. You know, you talk to younger folks that that follow social media. They'll tell you all about those guys because they are – they're out in, and about in the community, and they're uh, touching base, uh, pardon the pun, with with a lot of a lot of uh, baseball fans and non-baseball fans.
1: We've had Stephen Brault on the podcast. Yeah, Amazing, yeah. amazingly talented Johnny. What a guy. voice, by the
4: way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he, yes. Yeah. Yeah. The Broadway <laughs> songs. Yeah. Well, he's,
3: he's got the kind of personality, and I'm very familiar with that, that if he pitches a good game, the writers will come in. They'll ask him questions, and if they start to leave, he'll say, "Hey, wait a minute. Let me tell you what happened in sixth and That's what makes those kind of people hey.
6: so real. I remember my son Justin, mm-hmm. right? Now Justin's forty now, forty-one, 41 right? Don't
0: give him too much credit. No, being... no,
6: he absolutely idolized Andy Van Slyke. So I'm talking to Steve the one day, and he said, uh, "We'll bring him down to the ballpark." And I said, "Okay." So we show up, and there's Justin, this little guy, right? Now,
0: mind you, this were, these were the days of Bobby Bonilla, Barry Bonds, and Andy Van Slake. Yeah. I mean, does it get a, In my 90s, generation, yeah. does it get any better?
6: But, but Steve comes to the, 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 the where the press entrance is, right? And he goes, um, Justin, you want to meet Andy? And he, Justin said, yes, I, I really do. And he said, well, come on. Dad, you stay outside. This is just for Justin.
4: <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> How about that? And
6: how'd the meeting go? And he never – Justin was – to this day, he still has the – what was the knuckleball pitcher we had then? Wakefield. Wakefield, Timmy Wakefield signed a ball for him. Jay Bell signed one for him. Andy Van Slyke. Steve – and he come out with all this stuff, a baseball bat from Andy, and he was like – he still has them. I mean, to this day, he will never, ever forget that because – Heroes.
4: It's so funny you say that because as Steve said, just the moment in time, it doesn't take much time. And and at the same time, by the same token, for those who don't spend that time, that split second, I'm telling you, in in a weird way, in, in my lifetime, as a kid, as a young kid coming to baseball games, I had interactions, opportunities to get autographs from players. Sure. And when they stiffed me, I never forgot it. And fast forward, I've gotten to know them. Now I know them. I've never said a word to them. I know (laughs) them now. But I could, if I want. In an honest moment, I could say, by the way, when I was seven years old, you refused it. Right. I'm sure. And, and,
3: And he doesn't know. The, the player's dog died that day. He wouldn't. That's go right, Steve. Out. You're right.
0: You're absolutely right. I tell John that when he's driving like a lunatic and he's beeping at someone. I say you don't know what kind of day they're having. So you're absolutely right.
4: <laughs> although, 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 I, I, you know it, that that's all that that is funny. It's true, but I don't believe that for a second. Well, <laughs> and I'll tell you why, because he's the example I use all the time. Yes. I've had arguments with players, in clubhouses and on baseball fields over many years whenever I've seen them maybe not put on a smile or not sign an autograph, and I use him as an example He's a because good example, yeah. he was at the pinnacle of his career. Steve Blass was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He was one of the top five pitchers in all of baseball, and then it, it didn't go well in a hurry. But he never, ever That's true. stiffed a reporter or nope. a fan, nope. never told them no. He Talk about a bad day, yeah. <laughs> his dog died, and then some. But he never stopped, so it's inexcusable. And, again, I go back to saying 99% of them are great, but there are those who, unfortunately, in sports or in mus- music the music thing. industry, yeah. the ego takes hold, yeah. and they forget where they came from. Not That's many.
3: One of, one of the neat things is, is uh, and I, I love doing this, and he'll know that, up in our broadcast booth every once in a while we'll have a, a, a kid or a family or a family bring a kid. And the kids walk in, and they see all this equipment, and they see these big people and all that, and they're intimidated, they're scared. So I said, Jimmy Smith, where have you been? I've been waiting for you all afternoon. Where have you been? Come on, come on. You're... Will you do me a favor, Jimmy? I've been dying to get somebody to take a picture with me. Will you take a picture? Oh, that's all it takes.
4: Yeah. Really okay. hey, how how yeah. much time do we have here? Do, we have well, any... we do, do whatever, want... we'll do whatever, yeah. i, I got to tell you the Tommy Lasorda story. I know I've told him this. Tommy Lasorda, the longtime manager of the Dodgers, Greatest ambassador to this day uh, is a great ambassador. He used to talk about how he bleeds Dodger blue. Well, a buddy of mine who is a manager of a, a car lot in, in Brookline, uh, many years ago his daughter had a friend whose daughter was, uh, had a, a, a bit of a, a handicap and, uh, and, but was a Dodger fan. And my buddy said, do you think if I got her tickets could and got them down to the front row box seats at Three River Stadium, third base side, you might be able to just get a Dodger player over that way just to take a picture of something? And I said, I'll give it a shot. So, you know, what's your name? Susan. Okay, so go to the day. Tommy Lasorda is at the batting cage. They had that that little riser where they hung over the big netting, and he's every, uh, Steve Garvey. I don't know why, Steve. I don't know and, I'm, and I worked in the front office, I'm scared to death, and I, I walk up and I'm waiting for the right moment, and I'm just standing there waiting for a pause, And because he's jab talking, he's getting off the riser, he's talking, I said, excuse me, Mr. Lasorda, doesn't look at me, Mr. Lasorda, nothing, keeps talking, about, I'm just standing there, gosh, I gotta get him over there to see this girl, Susan, it'll make her day, she's 11 years old, finally Mr. Lasorda, what do you want, doesn't look at me. <clears throat> I i I'm sorry about it At some point, do you think there's a huge Dodger fan? She's a little slow. She's over there by the third base side. She came here just to see you. Blah, blah, blah. Doesn't say a word. He goes, where are they? Doesn't look at me. He goes, third base side right by the dugout. He jumps off the riser, and he starts walking to the third base. He goes, let's go. Again, he's never made eye contact with me. I'm running behind him. He goes, where is she? I, I said, uh, she's front row. What's she look like? I said, she's wearing blue. She's got a blue Dodger cap on. What's her name again? Susan. Again, I'm, he turns, and there's a bunch of people there. And he spots this girl in a Dodger cap. He goes, Susan. And
6: she
4: <laughs> are you a Dodger fan? She goes, yes. He goes, do you bleed Dodger blue? Yes. He walks over. He picks her up off the railing, brings her onto the field. Is that your mom and dad? Yes. Take a picture, Susan. Say, go Dodgers, go Dodgers. (laughs) Boom, she walks over, puts her back down. He goes, go Dodgers. Turns around again. He's never made eye contact with me. for He doesn't know my name, who I am, where I came from. (laughs) He starts marching back to home plate. And I said, Tommy, thank you very much. He goes, she'll never forget it. He walks back.
3: <laughs> Neither did you.
4: It was, yeah. it was the most remarkable performance wow. I've ever seen, but it explains mm. in a nutshell what we're talking about here.
3: And nobody was better than Tommy. Nobody was better, oh.
4: and she'll never forget it, and he did it. That. It took yeah. two minutes, but he knew what to do, and it, it goes back to the entertainment business, Johnny. You've seen it time and time again how great these people are.
7: Absolutely.
1: You guys are so awesome, Steve. Let's—I know uh, this is Maz's day, but let's also. Johnny has given us a recording that will be on the podcast of of your, an interview with you and you winning a World right, Series
5: against that extra base hit. Hernandez is over near second base. Big hole between third and short. One strike pitch to Redmond. right up the middle. Hernandez in back of second base. Throws from there, and that's the series. Pittsburgh wins. And the Pirates knew it. Danny Murtaugh, let me step in here for just a moment. 1960, you performed The Impossible, and you did it again. Congratulations here in 1971. Thank you, Bob. Steve Blast, who pitched such a great game. Steve, coming in here with uh, Chairman of the Board, Mr. John Galvez. Steve, I know you just can't yeah, express yourself emotion-wise. You're all rung out.
3: I don't know what to say. <laughs> this is the biggest thrill that could ever happen. I, re- I don't believe it from... Skinny kid from Falls Village, Connecticut.
5: Well, not so skinny out there. You showed them all there was to show him, Steve. And was there any one moment in that ball game that had you really worried?
3: There were several. One when they had the two men on, and then one hanging slider I threw to Davey Johnson that he popped up, but he missed the pitch. I can't believe it. how many people have this kind of an opportunity.
1: I'll never forget you running over and jumping. It was a Bob Robertson you jumped on, right? Oh yeah, yeah, I yeah. Took the
3: Right guy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, it's amazing because
3: you're so intense and it's, you're in a bubble, and then it, it's just a release. And you know, you used to think about it when you're nine years old. What would I ever do after yeah. I just won the last game of World <laughs> Series? And you, oh my, I do this. I would fall on the ground. You don't know because you're so wrapped up. But uh, it's it, it, it's a, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It took me. A, uh, about three weeks to finally realize. Every once in a while, I sit down now, I'll have a glass of wine late at night, and I say "Did I really
4: do that? <laughs> <laughs> Did I live
3: that life and that dream and all that stuff?" I love it. But it's a, it's the stuff of dreams, and uh, yeah. again, every everybody Not has every, them. Not yeah. everybody gets
1: to live them. Right. I want to ask each of you. And we'll just go down the line: Jack, Steve, Greg. If you were with Bill Mazeroski today, if you bumped into him today, what would you do? What would you say? I'd ask
6: him if he could get me another glove.
0: <laughs> well, right yeah
6: no i i would thank them for being pittsburgh because uh in our travels as a band i i, I got to know a lot of new yorkers and um no matter who you meet what, what generation they come up in the first thing they say is how much they hate bill mazaroski because he stuck he stuck it right in their face i mean that the yankees they were supposed to be the greatest ball team ever they had two of the greatest home run hitters on their team and and Maz crushed them, so I'd like to thank him.
0: All right, Steve, good, good
3: answer. I, I I would tell him, and I've told him this before, uh, I can't believe our paths crossed. And uh, it, it was an honor to be a friend and, and a teammate for 10 years. And, he's, and he said, that's a lot of not Let's go have a drink. <laughs> and, right. And, and you know what? We'd go have a beer, and we'd, we'd start telling old stories because baseball – is the greatest sport for stories and memories. And whenever baseball people get together, they they will tell you all their memories. They will tell you what they love about the, the game and the special moments. And no matter how many times you've done it, Maz and I would sit down, we'd have a drink, and we'd start telling stories about the times we roomed together and played together and, and things that happened. and uh, oh, just the, uh, and, and I would thank him for one specific thing. He told me after the seventh game of the World Series, he says, he said, and, and I, he said, now he says, you can put yourself in a different class because you were able to win a game when you were ahead by a run. He said, a lot of pitchers can pitch comfortably when they're behind because there's no pressure. When you can get in that scenario and pitch that kind of game, and he said it in fewer words. He says, now you're now you're a major league pitcher. Wow. And Bill, now, and Bill doesn't throw. He throws compliments around like that manhole cover. <laughs> but when you get one, you better. Cherish it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it
1: has to be just knowing how close you are. How, to how lucky
3: am I yeah. from a town of 1,200 people to wind up spending 10 years with another guy with a town of less than that and, and play together on a World Series team and, and be roommates? Uh, that's, that's crazy
4: stuff.
0: <laughs> Greg?
4: Well, I, I I love listening to you know, more than anything else. I I'd like to listen. For, first of all, one thing about Maz, I, I, I've i had the opportunity. He was a guest instructor down in Bradenton every year, and Uh, he found a little nook behind the clubhouse. He and Steve would have a daily cigar uh, before the workout started. And I was uh, privileged just to be able to sit there and just listen. I just love listening to the stories. I really do. And and more than anything else, over the years, having been involved in enough stuff where Maz has been there, I've just not bothered him because I've seen. (laughs) And he's so humble. Uh, In a lot of ways, he was miscast as a hero uh, because he didn't want it. Uh, that's, what it,
7: makes it so that's what makes it so unique
4: and yeah. so great, but but because he was thrust into that moment and he accepts it and he's so available to so many, uh, and and some people have taken advantage of it. I tried to not to, so uh, I, I just like to back off and, and listen.
3: Yeah. You know, one other that's thing, taught me. He said, if somebody wants your autograph. Write it so they can read it. He's got, he's got the, the biggest challenge, and his autograph is perfect every time. It is. And it's just it a is. little thing, you know. But you know, you look at baseballs and they look like doctors' prescriptions. <laughs> I was just gonna say a but, doc, you know, yeah. So I try to sign my baseball, my autographs neat because I learned that from Bill Mazeroski.
0: Yeah, but you have an easy name too, Steve. So. He could have signed his name, Maz. True. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'll give you that. Been,
3: it would have been perfect.
0: Yes. We cannot say thank you enough to you guys. Steve, you know we've wanted you on the podcast for a couple of years. We knew once you were going into retirement we were going to be able to capture you. Who knew it would be such an, you know, benevolent time as now? And uh, we can't thank you guys enough for coming on. And we waited this out. It was cloudy and
1: nasty yeah. this morning. And look what happened when Johnny Angel. Yeah. From, now let's yeah, let's the, all
0: just
3: sing one chorus of give me shelter. Yeah.
1: yeah uh, do I'm it. A it's just, a we, <laughs> just a shout away.
3: Just a shout away. Shout away. Good. Steve is your backup. Do it. <laughs> yeah, He doesn't know it. I would have gotten up with them and, and tried to do that, which would have been a disaster.
4: <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like a, a podcast, uh, perhaps for, for a future, not to be I, the producer, but
2: yeah. sounds no, like you are the you two producer are on yeah. stage you at are. some
4: point in the next a uh, few months, happen, huh? Steve. I love it. That'd be fun. I love it. That'd we be funny. Make, we
3: can make anything happen.
4: <laughs> Whether it's a podcast or not, to have you guys do karaoke oh. together. I, oh, I, I, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see that.
0: Wait, ask my dad if he likes karaoke, because you like you're not going to like the answer. That's for another
3: Lord,
6: show. Lord, I was born
3: a rambling man, <laughs> trying to make a living and doing the best I've You think
1: he likes karaoke? <laughs> yeah, there you go. See, I love bad karaoke. I will not watch good karaoke. I have to watch the train wrecks. I love oh, when my people gosh, are I those. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Yeah.
4: Oh, my God. But. Have you had uh, experiences where uh, there was a guy about uh, five years ago out in, in uh, uh, the Rochester Inn. Do you know where that is? Oh, yeah. Right this, okay, a yeah. lot of years ago. I don't think they still have karaoke there. Uh, but there was somebody who's like uh, a Neil Diamond almost impersonator. And he was there every single time I, I walked remember, in there. Right? Oh, my. god, no. he would not no, give up that mic.
0: Paul, Paul that? Martino and my dad do, you know, a Paul Martino's all-star band. And they're no. there. Playing. That's where we'll have to
2: go. Oh, oh, that's there that's go.
7: That's,
5: that's what a play once again. It was a hard-hit drive down the first base side. The Nelson fielded on the first hop and tagged the bag at first. That eliminated Barra. He was out. And then uh, Mantle could have been in a rundown, but it was not the case. He dove back safely to first base. Here's a ball one. Too high now to Mazurowski. And the Yankees have tied the game in the top of the ninth inning. Well, a little while ago when we mentioned uh, that this one, uh, in typical fashion, was going right to the wire, little did they so know. So tell us
7: your name. Uh, Dan Schultz, one of what? the uh, game, se- uh, game 7 gang so, members. So, Dan, how do you become a game seven, uh, game 7 gang guy? Well, it just evolved into a club. We started doing the... Uh, the replay in the early 90s right and a lot of the pirate you know a lot of them, all pirates fans we uh we got together organized put together some banners and stuff and slowly built up the uh, the sound system and in coordination with the uh, park in oakland we were able to get some large speakers i did some signage some banners to put on the wall and stuff and so we get there early and set uh, set things up we have a lot of uh interesting facts and things about the game and uh we narrate it and play the game at the, at the walls. It's about six of us.
1: It's completely organic, like you yeah. said. You know, y- over the years you built... It was still on a cassette for a while, right?
7: Yeah, early in the uh, mid-'80s, uh, Saul Finkelstein, who uh, originally started this, went down to the wall by himself, and he played the the uh, game on his little cassette player. And then uh, slowly people started coming. I went down. I gave him my big boom box so we could hear it oh, better. I love it. And then... Uh, The crowd got bigger and bigger, and we worked up towards the sound system and organized, and here we are now. So it's
0: really, John, just like anything in Pittsburgh, where you start with this little thing that becomes this giant Pittsburgh thing, tradition, right? right? It's just a Picklesburg, a, you know, Three Rivers Arts Festival. This is the same thing. These are avid baseball, passionate fans who want to relive this moment that will never – it will forever be a legacy here. Right. I mean,
1: you don't look old enough to have been born
0: when it happened. Yeah.
7: Well, thank you on that one, but uh, <laughs> I told him to say. No, that. I was actually okay. born in '64, but I've always okay. been a Pirate fan. I see. And when I went down to the wall and sat with Saul and listened to the game, I'm like, what a wonderful thing to relive this, yeah. you know. And uh, some of the other players, you know, other gang members, you know, were alive when it happened. Actually, our gang leader Herb ran onto the field when the uh, when that home run was oh, hit. Oh, really? get out. Yes. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so, crazy. And I yeah. love this.
0: I have to make light of this. You say gang leader. Like, you guys are these ferocious people. They were gang people. Banging, You're right? not. You're no, this we're ferocious
7: job. baseball fans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it.
4: They're
1: throwing seven signs.
0: Yeah. right
1: right i love Uh, it so what are what
0: what does 60 years mean to you i know it sounds so cliche but what is it about i mean here we are we've hit 60 what what does that feel like today waking up on a an odd october day during all this crazy pandemic stuff what did it feel like today
7: for me it just it reminds me of how long we've been doing this
0: yeah
7: and uh 60 years it's it seems like such a long time ago it's it's longer than i've been alive sure but um it just seems like the more and more that time goes by, it gets more and more nostalgic, more cherished. More cherished. That's and a maybe good word. because we're looking for that
1: iconic thing and you know, we're looking for all those positive things in our life and this yeah. is certainly one of those. So yeah.
0: Yeah.
7: does
1: do can people donate to the Game Seven gang to kinda of help you with
7: efforts or no? No, we did, we would okay. never refuse that. But we dorm, we normally when we air the game we have a canister out for pirates' charities. Okay. That money's given to the pirates. And they distribute it amongst the charities that they sponsor. I love it. But we take no money. I I love love it. That's so good to
0: know. So here's the question of the day, the coveted question. If you were to meet Maz, and maybe you have, but if you were to see him in the last couple years or most recently, what would your question be to him or what would you say to him?
7: I would say, you know, Maz, thanks for a wonderful memory. Yeah. Thanks for being at the right place at the right time. And, uh... What a in what a nice you know what a down to earth nice fellow he is.
0: Inspiration, yeah, you know,
7: inspirational. You know, it was, he's uh, a great guy, and it, it couldn't have happened. This fantastic thing couldn't have happened to a nicer guy like Mads. That's a Oscar. great point. Can they, is there a website that people can follow you guys on, our Facebook page? Um, there's various articles. We don't okay. have a specific website That's th- the that cool I know part. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so, so organic. organic yeah. right. Right, right, but if right. you type in Game Saving Guy Anger, 1970, yeah. 60 World Series, you'll see some articles pop up about oh, us. For sure. and you can okay. also
1: listen to our podcast from like a year ago where yeah. we had John. Yeah, yeah we
0: so did. It's made. actually longer than that. It's is almost that right? three years. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's crazy Thank you so much for the time. We hope you it. Enjoy and the congratulations rest
1: of your day. for what you guys do to keep this memory alive. Oh, we sure. enjoy
7: it and look forward to it every year. Cool. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Have a great time. All right, beat them, bucks. The Yanks tied it up at 9-9. They had
5: scored two runs, KOing Bob Friend, the hard-luck pitcher of the series, in a hurry. And Harvey Haddock's had trouble putting out the fire. And then, the last of the night.
1: So we just talked to Greg Brown, Steve Blass, Johnny Angel, Jack Hunt, mm-hmm. and the cool thing is, is that they, not one of them could say they met someone who was really at the game, the game.
0: And right? not only could they not, but they said, Greg Brown, to be exact, said, I don't know how many people truly were. They just know the stories. Right. The yeah. People,
1: like, make it up that they were there. Right. Because it was such, and it was such a big historical game, you know. You're 30 years old. You weren't there, so don't, don't lie. Yeah. But we have Pittsburgh <laughs> Thank you. entrepreneur, Irv Katosky, who was there and can verify that he was at the game. So that's why we have you on this week's podcast about the big home run. So welcome to the Jagoff podcast, Irv Katoski. It's a pleasure to meet you. Nice to meet you. So We
0: want to hear, just in your words, set up the day for us. Right, you've talked to us a little bit about what the series was like, but what was that particular day like? When, when did anyone have faith that anything like this was going to happen with Bill Mazeroski?
1: Even, even your day, were you planning to go to the game? Were you, um, you know, was it? It was just kind of a circ, happenstance that you would go, or you were a big Pirate fan? How did that? start?
2: Well, I had seasons tickets. Uh, at that time, I think I had six seasons tickets. I started by getting two, and eventually I ended up with six seats Okay. in the second row behind the visiting team's dugout. Wow! So I had the opportunity whenever I went to a ball game to meet the visiting teams, the people, the players. Yeah. I had given away the seats to clients of mine, right? But I went to the seventh game, which was played in Pittsburgh. It was very interesting. I don't remember the exact scores, but during the six previous games, when the Yankees beat the Pirates, they beat them by 8, nine, ten, or 11 runs per game. It was crazy. Right. <laughs> uh, also, they... There was a young third baseman uh, and for the Yankees, who was not known as a home run hitter, but if I'm not mistaken, he had two Grand Slam home runs in that series, which set a record. Right. Mickey Mantle, and that was the only game I ever saw Mickey Mantle actually play,
0: oh,
2: wow. hit a home run into the right field stands and in only the way Mickey Mandel could hit a home run because with Mickey Mandel it was all wrist action. So he would wait until the ball was actually over the plate and then swing and his wrist would drive that ball into the right hand, into the right field stance. In that game, he was also picked off of first base. They walked Mickey Mandel. To put him on base because they didn't want him to give you another chance to hit the ball. And they actually had him picked off of first base. I think Smokey Burgess was the first baseman for the Pirates then. And Smokey Burgess went one way. Mickey Mandel came back another way. And believe it or not, he dove to the bag and got to the bag before Smokey Burgess tagged him out. So that play in itself was rather unique To see somebody who clearly would have been tagged out, who got back to first place. Wow. And then, ninth inning, Mazeroski, not known as a home run hitter, right? Hits the ball, end of the ball game. That's when it ended. That's it, yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) it was interesting, because there were so many people who left the stadium, who left Forbes Field, before the pirates batted in the ninth inning, yeah. this game is over. I don't remember what the score was, but the Yankees were winning.
0: So they missed out on seeing history happen, is what you're saying? Because so many people had essentially given up. It's not going to happen. Nothing good is going to come of this. They left
2: early, and, and then, then he early gets up. and went to the little bars around Street. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Now, <laughs> tell us. We well, know because
2: that... the the, uh, the Forbesville was be, was. Off the book Yeah. So the place went wild. Uh. Right? Uh, we had no mobile phone, so you couldn't call the people that, <laughs> right. that, that left. Right. Yes. They were gone. Right. And of course, they were sorry they ever left. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because one of the fellows that worked for me, I had given tickets to that game and he left. Oh, With oh, wow. a friend of his. Okay. <laughs> and he never regretted it.
0: <laughs> Do you recall what the headlines were like the next day? You know, if you're reading the newspaper, what was that like, or what was the feel of, oh, my gosh, this just happened?
2: Well, I I think it was just the emotion of being a pirate fan and being fortunate enough to be at a game, which ended in that manner which you say was historical.
0: It, yeah, 60 Apparently, years.
1: That's what we hear, the most famous home run in, in Major League Baseball
0: history, is what yeah. we hear. Yeah. Right.
2: Well, I never, knew that. Uh, <laughs> I never yeah. knew
0: that. Yeah, and that's the cool part is people like yourself, who simply have an admiration for the game, are now part of this history that Pittsburgh people celebrate year after year. So now here it is 60 years and, and from what we're gathering, Bill Mazeroski is like, oh, it was just another day, you know, kind of thing. There wasn't this, it, yes,
1: I'm a massive. It was, just yeah. another
2: game. Uh, wow. Have
1: a, you ever had the opportunity to meet Bill Mazeroski? I see we're in your place where there's a lot of memorabilia, including some Bill Mazeroski items. Ever have a chance to meet him? Never did meet him.
2: No, never did.
1: So one of the biggest days of your life, in, in, at well, least as a baseball Well, at that team. time
2: it was just a winning a ball game. Yes, <laughs> and it was a unique ball game, and it won the World Series for the Pirates, of course. Yeah. But, and uh, that was it. The rest
0: is history, right?
2: And uh, no, but I had been fortunate enough, as I told you, my seats were behind the visiting team dugout. Mm-hmm. In fact, when the nineteen seventy when the stadium was built. Not the current stadium. Mm-hmm. Yes. The stadium was built in 70, which was Three torn rivers. down. Three rivers, was, yeah. Right, which was torn down. The county commissioners took my seats. <laughs> my six seats. And I had to move back one row. I love it. <laughs> that is so funny. Those darn
0: commissioners. <laughs> you, Leave it to them. Do you continue to go to Pirate Games
2: now? Or? No. Uh, I, uh, I ended up having eight seasons tickets for the Steelers okay uh, at when, when they built the stadium in 1970 because I did a lot of the lighting at the stadium okay i did not do the field lighting i did all the miscellaneous lighting okay and i didn't do the field lighting because the electrical engineers who were designing that stadium lighting wise were from Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, <laughs> wow. And they used a new luminaire that was made by General Electric, and General Electric headquarters were in uh, outside of Cleveland, Ohio. Right. Okay. And I said to myself, there's no way Westinghouse Electric is going to have GE luminaires sitting in the stadium across from their international headquarters. So I said, I stay away from getting involved in a match to see who's going to have the lowest price to get the order for the fighting fixtures.
1: What was Pittsburgh like a day or two after? We've certainly been lived long enough to see the Steelers win a Super Bowl and to understand how the city goes crazy. What was the city like the next day or two days? Or did it, like you said, it was just another ball game and everything went back to normal the next day?
2: But it was that way for me. I don't sure. know about anyone else. Yeah. I mean, you always have those diehard fans that yeah. want to go get drunk and raise hell. But, <laughs> but that wasn't me. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. That's so great <laughs> to have been able to see it that closely. Well, we cannot thank you enough. We, we always ask a question of the day, though. And our question of the day is, if you could meet Bill Mazeroski, what would you say to him or ask him?
2: I would say, I would ask I would shake hands with him, or maybe I have to shake with elbows. (laughs) I don't know. And tell him I was fortunate enough to be in that game, which became a historical game. Mm -hmm. And it would just be a pleasure to shake your hand Mm -hmm. and to say, well done. Yes.
1: Irv, it has been a pleasure to speak to you because as uh, people who knew Bill Mansurowski, including Steve Blass... He talked about him being such a reserved, common man and uh, how he took it all in stride. You strike me as that kind of person. You're a very successful entrepreneur here, but very common man, mild man. And uh, we really, really appreciate you taking the time to relive the day of October 13th, 1960 with us. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank
0: you.
5: Art Ditmar throws. Here's a swing and a high five ball going deep left. This may do it back to the wall goes Vera it is over the fence home run the Pirates win Uroski has hit a one nothing pitch over the left field fence at Forbes Field to win the 1960 World Series for the Pittsburgh Pirates by a score of 10 to nothing. Once again, that final score, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the 1960 World Champions, defeat the New York Yankees, the Pirates 10, and the Yankees 9. The celebrations extended to Addis Ababa and Timbuktu. Those crazy 1960 Pirates were indeed the most impossible Pirates of them all.